Thank you for joining us at Conversations to Inspire. I am your host, Teresa Moore. There are many facets of our mind-body-spirit connection. In this episode, we explore the benefits of integrative nutrition. Our guest is Andrea Levson. Andrea is an integrative nutrition therapy practitioner, holistic wellness consultant, biochemist, and educator, as well as the founder of Navigating Equilibrium and Navigating Performance. Andrea's companies coach individuals and athletes to obtain optimal nutrition and recognize and acknowledge the balance between mind, body, and spirit, and the importance of the interplay between all three facets to become the best version of ourselves. I encourage you to learn more at navigatingequilibrium.com and navigatingperformance.com, as well as those pages on Instagram. Andrea offers coaching programs, webinars, consulting, and masterclasses. Join us as Andrea and I discuss nutrition, mindset, and meditation. Andrea teaches us about whole, clean eating, eating the rainbow, her biodiversity quest, and how to avoid environmental toxins, all as part of the ground rules of her program for wellness and athlete nutrition strategies. Andrea teaches us about healthy fats, the balance of fats, proteins, and carbohydrates in our diets, mindful eating, and supplements, as well as how to nourish ourselves completely beyond food nutrition. This is part one of a two-part series. Here is my conversation with Andrea Levson. Thank you for joining us at Conversations to Inspire. I am Teresa Moore, your host, and I am here with Andrea Levson, who is the founder of Navigating Equilibrium and Navigating Performance Sports Nutrition Companies, and she is an integrative nutritionist. Andrea, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you, Teresa. It's an absolute privilege to be able to do this with you. Can you explain a little bit more about your companies? And then I want to dive right into some of the things that you've been able to do with people. Well, Navigating Equilibrium began as just a passion of mine to, I guess, enable people to reach their fullest potential. What exactly do your companies do, Andrea? Well, Navigating Equilibrium in and of itself recognizes that and acknowledges the balance in mind, body, spirit, and how it's the interplay in all of them that will allow us to further our health and allow us to become more... Like kind of like live our most fulfilled life and become our most... Yeah, our most true version of ourselves. What are some of the things that you've been able to do? Because you are working with professional athletes, high school athletes. Navigating Equilibrium was the start of it all. And then a couple of years ago, we began a branch of Navigating Equilibrium, which is called Navigating Performance. And it's a container that allows us to serve professional athletes, elite athletes, and student athletes, and recreational athletes, taking the principles that drive navigating equilibrium, the ideas of complete wellness and the interplay of mind, body, and spirit, and all those different parts of wellness that impact someone's performance and being able to optimize their performance completely. So I've been able to help several NFL players and some college athletes as well as, you know, student athletes. And you're able to help them in what way? You're able to work on their nutrition? Right. We address the nutrition aspects and we also address mindset. We address other parts of their life, you know, the other ways in which we nourish ourselves. So like the rhythms that we address in our life, circadian rhythms and how that will enhance sleep. And that will also then help their performance and focus and clarity and all that kind of stems back. Um, Yes, their nutrition, which is 
you know, pretty comprehensive, looking at all different things, kind of sifting through a lot of the misconceptions that are out there because there's so many just blanketing ideas, whereas each person is different and look to the idea of, you know, focusing on the whole person or the whole, as I say, the whole you. And then there's also the innate component within us that, a spiritual component that whether they believe in a named religion or if it's, you know, just a spiritual connection to a higher power, you know, recognizing that that might exist as well and how that can also nurture and nourish their life and ultimately their performance. Yeah, so we look at the whole picture. So you really truly are able to tie in the mind, body, spirit, Mm -hmm. the entire encompassing all facets and allow that person to really focus on using all of those keys to improve their sports performance. Yeah, whether it's like meditation in the morning or at night before they go to bed or even mindfulness practices when they're on the field, when they find themselves getting nervous or, you know, anxiety starts to creep in before a race or, you know, and then how nutrition might impact their ability to even come to the idea that that they should be using a mindfulness practice at that time or ideas of all the different nutrition components and how they all kind of like if one part is out of balance, that might influence another part being out of balance as well. So it's trying to keep all of those different parts in balance and recognizing that a shift in one area might shift something in another. So like you're not sleeping well at night, that might impact your uh, mental and emotional well-being. And that also then affects physiologically how well you can absorb nutrients and or just even like what you might even eat in that day or like once you come out of balance, you know, you, you can you can see the cascade effect happen very quickly. And the idea is to try and keep ourselves within that balance and hence navigating it, you know, through our life. That And then it's just providing tools that they can, you know, have to make judgments. Like I have athletes FaceTiming me from, from restaurants, like, what should I eat? You know, like I have a big game tomorrow and, or taking them to the grocery store where, you know, like I had an athlete move into a new a new place in a new town and he was like, can you come help me fill my pantry? Because <laughs> as I don't know, I want to make sure I'm putting like good things in there. I have no idea what to buy at the grocery store. All kinds of different stuff like that. I love it that you're able to help so many people on so many different levels and meet them where they are at and then move forward with them and be able to help them. So you're working with multiple ages, multiple genres, you know, males, females, probably people from every different walk of life and demographic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're able to encompass everything. What are some of the biggest types or categories of people that you are working with? Um, mostly right now, I'm working with several NFL players um, just because of word of mouth sort of thing. But like I said, I have worked with a few. They were high school athletes at the time that, that are now playing in college. That encompasses most of most of everything I do right now. Yeah, that tends to be pretty intense. And one might think like during the season, it might be more intense than the off season. But it's, the, it's in the off season that they might be home and not with their respective teams. And they're looking to improve their bodies and, and make particular, you know, gains or like optimize different performance things. So yeah, it's in the off season that I tend to be even more busier with them. What kinds of questions or concerns do the athletes come to you with that you are able to help them? Well, a lot of it is just what to eat and when. 
So timed nutrition as well as the foundations of good nutrition. Yeah, I have several ground rules that I call them. It's just whole clean eating and the idea that, you know, when you can get the foods closer to their source and and something that's that's clean that's not necessarily processed or refined is going to serve them better ultimately. And, you know, and them being able to find that. A lot of the athletes are not they're not cooks, you know, and they, they don't want to. And so like, where do I find this stuff? How do I make it? How do I Right. How do I even begin this process of self-improvement yeah. through food? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I've also found that I've done um, guided meditations with several players before and amazingly love the feeling that they get when they're done with that. And so like I've been doing those sort of things with them. And honestly, like meditation is doesn't have to be something that's complicated or time consuming. It's I think there's even studies that have been done like if we spend five minutes a day, you know, it it changes how our brains work in meditation. So um as I say to them, I'm like, if you brush your teeth for two minutes a day, like you can take that additional two minutes or three minutes or whatever and and do a little bit of meditation. And you'd be surprised as to how, how that would change your day. And then when you brush your teeth at night, do the same thing again. You know, just, just sprinkle these little things throughout your day, these new rhythms, these new routines, um, these new habits. Um, mm-hmm. Linking them, right? So yeah. that when you, your brain is triggered, that when you do one thing, like brush your teeth, then mm-hmm. it knows, okay, the next thing we're going to do, it's just part of the process, is we're going to go into a three to five minute meditation. Yeah. Or longer, but if that's all you can afford, then that helps. And it doesn't have to have the connotation that it's a, you know, oh, meditation is a bad thing. Or it can be based upon like an altruistic sort of, like being grateful for what you have that day or the whole idea of every aspect of this is like how the things we do in our life, how they nourish us. And if you even recognize that, even just the word nourishment, it kind of looks at life through a lens of gratitude. Like by saying that something might be nourishing us, an experience might be nourishing us, uh, what we're eating might be nourishing us, there's an element of gratitude in that. And then you know, studies have shown that even just having that frame of reference, if you have a meditation practice for a few minutes in the morning that just recognizes how grateful you are for whatever is going on that day, and and you can recognize that perhaps a meeting that you're going to have that day or somebody that you plan on interacting with, um, that you're grateful for that opportunity. You know, it changes your whole perspective when you get to that meeting. It changes your whole interaction with that person. It changes you and like consistently through day in and day out, it suddenly that has an impact on how your brain works as well. So, so yeah, it's just kind of all about nourishing ourselves in, in so many different ways and not just with food. I love that. No, that is so true because it's not just food. You're nourishing yourself through relationships, through your spiritual path, through meditation, through taking care of yourself, through physical activity. All of that makes you stronger, better, more whole. Exactly. Yeah. Your authentic self. And the more we are more of our authentic self, the more we can serve others and like has a ripple effect. And And even just to become the best athlete you can be, if that's where these people are at that are your most common clients. You had just mentioned something that I want to circle back to. You said you're, you have ground rules. You just mentioned you have. I do. Okay. Um, They're like whole clean foods, eating the rainbow. I mean, I even have like this checklist that I provide for my athletes. Um, you what know, does that look like? Well, the idea is like that you eat a rainbow of foods every day, different color check boxes that they have to check in. And then there's also this biodiversity 
quest at, at the bottom. And studies have shown like if you can eat more than 30 different variety of fruits, vegetables, nuts, and seeds throughout the course of a week, you're, you're allowing your body to get more nutrients than just with the same sort of five different vegetables or fruits mm-hmm. that you might be eating. Yeah, a provi- providing a variety of building blocks. Yep, for exactly. Health. Right, you're going to get the phytonutrients and and different fibers and things like that that we need, and we need them to ultimately to feed our gut microbiome, mm-hmm. and then that will um, profoundly influences our health. It does on so many levels, like you said, cognitively, your immunity, every every mm-hmm. facet of that is. Mm-hmm. I, I almost feel like it's based on that very foundational thing of what are you feeding your body, and then like avoiding environmental toxins whenever we can. You can be pursuing the best diet possible, and we introduce those sort of things that aren't really supposed to be in us, if you will, and that will undo whatever we've actually made an effort to do. As I explained to my clients, we have a bucket. Our bodies are designed to like have and can very well deal with a lot of the things we put there. But like the more you put into that bucket, the more your body has to has to try to deal with it. And it's when the bucket starts to get full is when we start to struggle. You know, and we start to see the impacts of that in our health and in our ability. So like the less you can put into the bucket, the better. In the morning when you're getting ready, being exposed to less environmental toxins, beauty products someone might choose to use, cleaning solvents they might have, whatever we're storing our foods in if you're using plastics or versus glass. So you're starting almost in the home environment. Mm Mm-hmm. And looking at what you're applying on your body, using, and you're coming in contact with throughout the day, or your food is coming in contact with. Yeah, and a lot of it in the way we live, particularly in the Western half of this world, it's it's almost unavoidable. I mean, like in the air we breathe, in the foods we eat. So the less you can avoid, the better, because like you just want to give your body the best opportunity it has to do the jobs it needs to do. Can you teach our listeners more about um, maybe some of the toxins they should be avoiding or things that they can do in their own homes to, or personal products that they're using, the things that they can do to really maybe ramp that up? What yeah. are some of the things that they can avoid and or seek out? I encourage people to store things in glass. The plastics that we have, they tend to have a lot of endocrine disruptors. I know that several years ago, the chemical BPA was eliminated but you have to recognize that companies have replaced it with something and we don't know what exactly that perhaps would be or the impact that that's having on us. It has similar chemical characteristics, so it might interact with us in the same way or worse. We just don't know. And companies aren't regulated, nor are they very mindful of how the impact that it might have on us. They're they're looking to find cheap ways to produce stuff. Yeah, I was going to say, nor do they even care, perhaps. They're just looking at the bottom line and right. the, you know, yeah. the almighty dollar again. Exactly. So are they going to do what's in our best interest? Probably not. And, you know, with respect to chemicals in our food or the chemicals in, in anything else, when they look at chemicals, they're they're only subject to to one-time exposure toxicity testing, Nobody's looking at the daily cumulative effects of of environmental toxins or the chemicals in our food or anything like that, nor do they look at, which I find interesting and concerning, is the combination of them. Yeah, because some can work together synergistically, but Mm -hmm. they never test for that. And we don't know. And they, you know, it's a slow cumulative effect that we don't really recognize. And, you know, and then just the idea of like the pesticides that are in our foods and stuff, our farming practices 
almost dictate them for farmers to to actually get yields in the situations that they're in. They almost have to use pesticides because of our farming practices these days. And that has a profound impact on our wellness as well. I mean, like studies that have shown about our gut microbiome and the impact that Roundup or, or glyphosate that has on our body is every time we expose ourselves to it, we're breaking apart parts of our intestinal lining and things that aren't supposed to get through that intestinal lining, which is designed to like be a barrier to those things, is getting through. And so our bodies are always like on alert to all the different things that we're exposing ourselves to. And so the less you can put into that bucket, the less our body has to be, you know, trying to respond. You can't avoid it, but just try to choose to do less. So like, yeah, storing things in glass is something I recommend. And then like, if you do store things in plastic, don't heat them up to heat your foods up in the plastic because it's in that heating process that actually caused the plastics to break down and then can leach into your food. As I said to, you know, a lot of my athletes, okay, think about like if you put a swimming toy, like you were going to the beach or whatever, you put the swimming toy in the trunk and you open the trunk of your car at the end of the day, what this smell would be. And that's all, everything that's getting broken down. Like you're breathing it, you're ingesting it, and we don't know what all that is. And And we know there are so many studies out there that are indicating that eating foods that are tainted with either plastic residue or residuals, chemicals, anything from the pharma practice, and that how that is building up in our bodies and causing so many health problems. Our depleted soils are a huge factor in all of that as well, and not having healthy food. And the idea of us even trying to find and get healthier food is becoming more and more difficult. Learning as what to look for and how to try and find it and because food isn't what it used to be. And people are looking for ways that can be more convenient. Even what might look like whole good foods can be empty of nutrition as well, just because going back to the farming practices and the depleted soils. And if the nutrients aren't in the soil to go into the plant where the- The plant going, cannot take yeah. the soil what is not present right. in the soil. It can't get to us. So, right. and then And then there's the whole factor of we could even eat it and unless our bodies are in like perfect, I don't want to say perfect equilibrium, but in we can't absorb it either. It's all that delicate balance, but it's not, like it can be so overwhelming to try and even think about it, but it's just a process. And you have to recognize that wellness is a journey and it's not something that's necessarily ever going to get to. Like there's never a perfect. Never perfection. Yeah. It's just progress over perfection and little by little step by step all the different little small little things can have such a huge impact because again our bodies are designed to be well if we just like try and give them a little bit of a chance and And they are so amazing at healing themselves and recovering Mm -hmm. what are some of the things that you recommend from the home either cleaning products or personal care products that people try to avoid i try to recommend more natural things things that don't have like the stronger endocrine disruptors like parabens. In terms of cleaning products, you know, the more natural things, I mean, there's, I recommend using a lot of vinegar because it's just natural and amazingly it's, works very well on, on a lot of different things. And it's inexpensive as well. Yeah. It's easy to do. It's easy to, easy to mix. And things like lemon juice and baking, um, soda. baking soda, and it's cost saving too. So and I feel like everything, people have gotten so programmed that it has to be a chemical, it has to be purchased from the store, and we've gotten away from just doing, you know, the old grandma recipes and the natural products. You don't mm-hmm. have to have a cabinet full of a multitude of different products to clean your home. You can just have 
vinegar, baking soda, lemon juice, maybe hydrogen peroxide, rubbing alcohol, just a few of the basics, and you can have a beautiful, clean home. Exactly. And you're not essentially bathing yourself in, in toxins. I wish I, you know, I had the exact number, but I had read a study a few years ago that the average teenage female leaves the home in the morning having exposed themselves to well over 200 chemicals before they left the house with the, the pajamas and the sheets and, you know, any products that are just like in the building of the house. Shower, hair care, makeup, all those different things. And then breakfast, you know, well over 200 different chemicals they expose themselves to. So if you can just eliminate just, even if it's a handful of them, you know, you're, you're giving your body a better opportunity to, and that's going to impact their day when they go to school and they're having a, you know, they're going to have better clarity. They're going to have better focus. They're going to make better decisions. They're going to be able to retain more at school. They're going to have better interactions with their, with their friends because their, their mindset and mental well-being, if you will, is going to be more aligned with their authentic self rather than your body just responding to what it's having to deal with. And, you know, and, and it's a matter of awareness. I mean, people don't, it's so hard to f find the information. That's so why I'm grateful that you are able to put all of this together in like one concise location for us. You know, it's about nutrition. It's about toxins to avoid and what you can do to become your best self. Yeah. And you have such a well-rounded knowledge base of all of these different facets that come together and allow people to become their healthiest and their best self. So I love it that you can share all of this with our listeners. When you're looking at nutrition and you're guiding some of your athletes through what they should purchase, what they should look for and what they should consume. Is there, are there any other facets or are there any other keys or like suggestions that you have for them? It all seems to stem back to the education as to even what perhaps they're looking for. You know, say they wanted to go buy olive oil. I can say, oh, yep, you need to get extra virgin olive oil. It's fantastic for your brain. Our brain is, you know, 75% fats. You need those healthy fats to, to feel your body, to reconstruct all, all these different things. And then they can stand in the aisle and go, there's all these choices. How do I know what to choose? Do I pick the prettiest bottle? Do I store it on the counter? How do, what do I, those parts as well, what to choose, why to choose it, and then the science behind it. Why would I want olive oil versus avocado oil versus canola oil? And what would be the best choice for me? And, and how does that impact all those sort of things? It, it's just like, there seems to be this empty part, like, okay, so what is an omega-3 and why Why do we call it that? What, you know, it's based upon the structure. What is, what's a saturated fat? What's a polyunsaturated fat? All those different terms were just like, hmm, what does it mean to be like extra virgin olive oil? Why do we want that as opposed to just olive oil? What is, what's the difference? And if it's cold pressed or it's not, how do I make those decisions? And so, um, yeah, please teach us about some of the different fats and what's healthy and what isn't. Extra virgin olive oil is probably the best, and it's considered the least processed oil. So the more you process something, the more it gets away from its original source. You know, like if it's not cold-pressed, it's subject to heat, so then it can cause the product itself to break down. So back to the closest original source that you can get. What are your top three oils that you recommend? Extra virgin olive oil, avocado oil, because you can cook that at a higher heat. Just butter or ghee, when ghee is clarified butter. The milk fats are removed from the butter, but all those I think are the the best cooking oils, if you will. Do you recommend coconut oil? Oh yes. I mean, our brain, like I had mentioned, our brains are you know seventy five percent fats, and we need to 
replenish them. But in terms of like the different, I mean, the different types of fats. Which fats should we be eating and which fats should we be avoiding? Okay, so like there's three different types of fats. There's short chain fatty acids, medium chain fatty acids or MCTs, and then your longer chain fatty acids. Most of them, you know, that we get in our cooking oils are the long chain fatty acids. And then those can be broken down into saturated fats, unsaturated fats, and then trans fats. So you have the saturated fats, which are completely saturated, full of hydrogen, if you will. They usually come as solid. And it's because of that saturation that they're allowed to like roll up into balls, you know, just on their structure, they can become most dense. And unsaturated fat then has like sites of unsaturation occur, like you would take off various hydrogen. So then like you'd have a double bond and it tends to be a little more rigid. So then it's not going to be able to roll up. So they tend to be more liquid. And then trans fats then again are also based upon that structure. So it'll be depending upon whether or not the chemicals can be on one side of the bond or another side of the bond. And if they're opposite, and then that's how that interacts with us. Which of the three are healthy? Then which of the three should we be avoiding? Just a handful of years ago that the the trans fats were not supposed to be allowed in our foods anymore because of how detrimental they can be. We have the polyunsaturated fats and then the monounsaturated fats. You want to avoid those more. And it's just because of their the number of sites of unsaturation. And then there's the saturated fats, which, you know, then again, because of their structure and they can roll up into the ball. And then nutrition labels will actually break that down as to like how much of what is in them. Like omega-3s are based upon where the sites of unsaturation are. So like, you know, it would be at the at the third carbon zone. And then, you, you know, omega-6 would be at the sixth carbon, you know, like, so it's just kind of based upon... Your chemistry what, degree what's is there. Yeah, your chemistry degree is going to be great so, in this education. So we should be consuming more unsaturated fats than saturated fats. Okay. Yeah, and try to avoid trans fats entirely. Besides fats, what is another key thing that you you teach your athletes that they should either avoid or that they should seek out and, and enhance in their diet? Protein. There's always this misconception that they don't they're not supposed to eat that much of it, and they're always not eating enough. And then when you have people like, particularly like some of the NFL athletes that I have, and given what they're doing in a day and what they're exposed to, like, you know, studies have shown like they need 2.2 grams of per kilogram of body weight of protein per day, which, you know, winds up being huge number of grams, like 180, 200 grams of protein in a day. And they're like, how on earth am I supposed to get that much protein? And then our bodies really aren't designed to absorb and process more than like 35 grams in in one meal. So you're going to have to scatter them throughout the day. And they're like, all I'm doing is eating, (laughs) you know. It's with those proteins that we need to get various amino acids that will help with the repair and the recovery, which is so important because that impacts their performance the next day. It impacts their, you know, whether or not they are susceptible to injury, whether or not they can recover from injury, how sore they would be just, and then, you know, it trickles down even back to their clarity and focus. And do you have any recommendations on proteins being animal-based versus plant-based? You know, it, it depends on the individual. I have a couple athletes that are vegan. You know, we have to get creative when it comes to where they get their protein from um, and how much. 
you just have to make sure that they're getting a complete amino acid profile. A lot of the different protein powders, they might have it, they might not. And so that's why sometimes they have other types of protein in them, not just pea powder or they'll have rice and other things in it, especially with protein powders, like whether or not it's available, you know, like bioavailable to us. If it's hydrolyzed and things like that, how much can we absorb? If they want to stay plant-based, then I will encourage that. But I also ask them to be mindful of particular cravings they might have because our bodies have an intuition, a natural intuition to um, to know if we're missing something. They're craving, you know, a steak. There might be a reason for that, um, and they might be missing something um, in their diet. And that's what I love about it because it's kind of like a puzzle, and you just want them to be able to be the best athlete or best person they can be. And so then, you know, we just try and tackle it. And it sounds like you work together with the athlete really closely to find fine tune and really hone in on what they need to perform their best. Yeah. And athletes at that level, that's what has to totally happen because they're operating on a different, a whole new different level. I'm there for them. Like, I mean, I interact with them almost daily. Like I said, I've had them like FaceTime me from restaurants and, <laughs> and things like that. So, you know, when I started working with these athletes, they had never felt better. They were like, you know, what is this? What is this secret sauce that you have? And it, it's in the recognition of the fact that everything interplays. Their, their stress levels, their ability to deal with the stress, their emotional and, and mental well-being, their, what they're eating, and, and just how they're taking care of their, themselves, their sleep cycle, and the circadian rhythms that they have, and, and their environmental toxins, and all the different things. Like, it's all has to be looked at, and like, you really have to be, you know, in contact with them all the time to know what's happening and asking questions. And um, and they have to feel comfortable and trust you. It really has impacted how they do things. And then, you know, so they're seeing big changes in how they're experiencing their sport and how they're experiencing life and their families are experiencing life. And it really has, has a profound impact. And I love, that's the part I love because I know that they're, by them feeling better, the people around them are, you know, benefiting. Everybody's benefiting. Yeah. yeah. It's like you're able to not only treat the athlete, but everyone that they are close to in their life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Can you also teach us a little bit about carbohydrates and the importance of that in our diet? Um, for an athlete, the carbohydrates is what is your fuel and, you know, whether or not you're eating enough to, you know, sustain whatever you're doing and store enough so that you have the stamina to do what you want to do the next day a matter of replacing what you've, you know, essentially used and then replenishing those glycogen stores. So yeah, your carbohydrates are your fuel. And, you know, so often, I'd have to say almost always, the athletes there aren't eating enough because I think we're we're conditioned to think we're not supposed to eat so much. And then, you know, but if you're eating the right things, you can you can eat as much as you want. And like people might not recognize that, you know, like if you have pretzels, you have blueberries, they're both carbohydrates, but like which is going to be more nutrient dense? I mean, you can eat blueberries till you blue in the face, if you will. The pretzels are more refined and, and again, farther away from their source and more processed. It's limiting though. So do I ever say like, no, you have to limit it in terms of calories, how much you can eat? No, as long as you're eating the, the good things and then like try and get as many grams of of the carbohydrates that you need to get in. So, but they're often surprised at my recommendations. They're going to be like, whoa, you know, I'm going to gain weight. I'm, I can assure them that that's not going to happen because 
yes, if you if you are trying to gain muscle mass, you might want a caloric deficit, if you will. But most often, they're not eating eating enough. And then I also ask them to follow like an eighty twenty rule. So life is supposed to be fun. It's not supposed to be restrictive. I always try and keep like a positive spin on all of it because I hate the idea of dieting or whatever. It should be more like more of a lifestyle change. I don't want it to be a negative experience. And it's natural. You're going to want to go have pizza and a burger and fries and stuff. So you're not asking people by any means to give everything up and live this super restrictive life. You're like, okay, life happens. Let's roll with it. Let's just make the best choices within each day and each meal that we can. Yeah. And then, you know, like birthdays are going to come around or whatever, and you're going to want to have birthday cake and or mom made cookies or whatever. And, and it's okay to have those because so much of food in life is is social as well. There's that whole aspect of things. And there are studies being done now about that interaction and how you eat your food and whether you're mindfully eat the food and the environment in which you eat the food and your experience at the meal actually impacts like how much you can absorb. And so it's not just what you're intaking. <laughs> it is your mindset while you are and your mood and your presence. Mm-hmm. And even just mindful eating, like consider your experience in eating and your body's interpretation of how you're eating. If you're eating lunch in a car while you're driving somewhere, or if you're even take a moment of gratitude for the food you're having, enjoying the smell and the appearance of the different colors that are in it. And then if you if you have the privilege of eating with someone around, like that interaction, like it changes what's happening inside of you. And and your body from a neurological perspective will will be more calm, if you will. Like so there's there's the idea of this fight or flight mode of our body, which is the um sympathetic response versus a parasympathetic response. And um, I do teach athletes about that as well with respect to breathing and, you know, just things to like get our bodies to switch out of that fight or flight mode immediately. I mean, we can do breathing exercises that'll instantaneously allow us to get out of that. But when we're in the fight or flight mode, we can't digest food. We cannot heal. When our bodies are in the that fight or flight mode, it's designed for us to be from when we're under stress. So like if we're getting chased by a lion in the, in, a, in a jungle or whatever, and so your body's not going to be worried about digesting the food. So it kind of shuts all those parts down. And um, so you can't actually digest or heal while you're in a stressed mode. So again, like even if you think about that, if we're constantly stressed and we don't know how to relax and we're dealing with anxiety or, or something like that, or our body is under stress from, say, environmental toxins and the foods we're eating, we can't actually efficiently digest food or heal because we're constantly in that stressed mode. So it doesn't even have to be emotional stress. It can be the physical stress or the toxins and maybe just poor diet choices that we've been taking in. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yep. Because that's, that's providing a different type of stress to our body. So again, let that whole back to that bucket theory. So in order to to actually digest food and to heal, we need to be able to switch out of that uh, fight or flight mode and get into that parasympathetic mode where we're at a calmer space when we're where we can do those things and who we're having dinner with can greatly affect that. You know, if we're dri- we're eating dinner while we're driving in traffic, we're not we're probably not digesting our food very well. And the the stress hormones that we're producing, you know, that's that's also causing, you know, all sorts of other cascading effects throughout, whether that's affecting our 
gut microbiome and how that processes things, whether or not we're what we're doing to our just our cells in general. It just it all works in a delicate balance, and it's that it's in that balance that we have to try and stay in, which is it's complicated, but it, you know if we can try. The wonderful thing is, is that we're innately designed to stay in that balance. We just have to kind of just steer ourselves back. So a little bit of tweaking here and there, but yeah. you're right. I think our bodies <clears throat> crave that balance, but they always are trying to self-regulate and and seek and head back into that balance. Right, and if we can be in that more calm space, we can hear that innate or again, intuition. Again, I was just going to say yes because you keep touching on the the strength of that intuition and following your intuition. Yeah, because we know, and our bodies know, so we can just, if we can calm ourselves down or like quiet the noise that's around us, whether that noise is stress, whether that noise is the toxins and environmental components in our food, or the, the stuff we're just surrounded by in our environment otherwise, our ability to handle them and process that and deal with it greatly impacts all of it. So it's, you know, it's in that interaction that all of that works as you can tell, like it all just starts to work together. And whether or not you're calm can influence absorption. And then that's going to influence like various things that we're producing. And then that will then impact our sleep. And then it'll start the whole cycle over the next day and impacts our ability to interact with our loved ones and, and how we serve and our ability to love. That's what it, the foundation of my passion is, is just knowing that all those parts influence how well we can interact with each other. And it's in the, that interaction that, you know, makes everyone's life better. And it impacts our connection to each other, impacts our communities. It's in that connection to our communities that we, you know, feel love and belonging. And, and I think that's going to make, you know, our community and society as a whole better. Absolutely. And I even when you and I were communicating before recording, um, you had mentioned that when we feel our best, then that allows us to be able to serve yeah, and to be able to help others and to be able to impact those around us in a very positive manner. Yeah. And it connects us better, you know, more to our purpose and, and to others, which I think that's so much of what it's all about. I think that's why we're, we're here. You know, one of the silver linings of the pandemic was, you know, our our connection to each other was we're left scrambling. And I think we realized that we were we are designed to be connected to one another, and it's in that that we are nourished so much. And that also creates resilience and strengthens various character and virtue, and there's just so many aspects <laughs> of it that... Absolutely, and, and each one of them cascades and impacts another one, so it's, mm -hmm. a, it's just huge building blocks. Yeah. Yeah, it's just to make us all better and closer and to, like you say, integrate us. Are there any other nutrition tips that you have that you offer your your customers, your clients, that you can share with us before we move on to more of other facets of your practice? Most of it's just rather specific, you know, when it comes to down to what vitamins and minerals do certain things and, you know, what might be missing with the athletes, particularly with nutrient timing, you know, when you should be getting certain things. Does that apply just for athletes or is that for overall wellness? I think it applies for everyone with the athletes. That's something we focus on a lot just because what they're doing on a daily basis and when it needs to get there. Are there some supplements or nutrients that you really encourage people to make sure that they are seeking out to add into their diet, either through food or through supplements? Well, there's just a handful. Our foods are generally lacking in, and they're harder to get just based upon our diet, particularly up here in the north, um, vitamin D, what type of vitamin D, so vitamin D3, and then coupled with K2, 
so synergistically to put those two together? Mm-hmm. Um, I usually always recommend an omega-3 supplement just because getting healthier fats is, is increasingly difficult to get in our diet. Often I do recommend a magnesium supplement just because it is involved in so many processes in the body, well over 400 different processes magnesium is involved in, and our ability to either one, absorb it or get it from our food, whether it's there or not, is an issue. So oftentimes I would recommend a magnesium supplement. There's several different types of magnesium based upon what you want it to do. So, and there are a few products now that have like all the different types of magnesium in them. So I try and recommend those. For omega-3s, do you typically recommend a fish fish oil-based? Yeah, it just depends upon the, the client. If they want marine ba- more of a marine-based one, if they're, say if they're vegan or vegetarian, they want marine-based, um, there's algae-based omega-3s or a fish oil. It sounds like you really, really know your stuff because you're able to take one tiny micronutrient or a vitamin or a mineral, and you're able to know exactly what to pair it with, when to time it, um, how it plays out in your body, the roles that it assumes or the roles that that vitamin or nutrient takes on in your body. It sounds like you have such a broad and deep, at the same time, overview, scope, knowledge base of all of this information. Yeah. (laughs) And it almost seems like you have a, a... photographic memory of all of this, that you're able to pull it and then apply it immediately. Thank you. I find it all fascinating. Always have. There's something called the metabolic pathways, which I thought was always pretty amazing. Like, I don't know if you've seen this map, but there is all these pathways and it's one arrow to the next arrow to the next arrow. It seems like, well, if one little spot could get disrupted, then what is that? How is that going to affect things way down, you know, it's, you know, it's just It really is. It's just like the ideas of wellness being integrative. It's not just about nutrition. That is about the mind and, you know, recognizing that and the spirit and recognizing all of it, that it's all linked. I think it's it's a wonderful opportunity. I think it's a awesome change that we're beginning to see. Rigorous science is starting to take their blinders off with respect to it. Even though, like, if you look historically and even in scripture, that, you know, we recognize that there was a whole person there to begin with, you know, somehow we got steered away from that idea and everything was compartmentalized. It's in looking at that whole picture that we can see the answers. And it's just exciting because I think that a lot of the stigmas that go along with some things and you know, we're going to see people are going to be able to become more well, that we can change the trajectory of how sick people are in this country. And again, that ripple effect that it has on people is just going to make us better and then thus our communities better and nourish each other and nurture each other better. So absolutely. This is Conversations to Inspire with your host, Teresa Moore. Join us again next week for part two of my conversation with Andrea Levson as we wrap up this conversation. Help promote the show by subscribing and following this podcast and leave a five-star review so we can continue to get incredible guests as we dive further into the mind-body-spirit connection. (laughs) 